Hello, 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 everybody. How the frick is it going? Not, not frick, okay? This is a family-friendly show, you know, considering uh, only my family watches. <laughs> I'm a lonely little bat. Anyways, thank you so much for stopping by. I'm Matt the Bat for Matt the Bat's Bat Shit Shit Show, and this is yet another episode of Bat Chats. If you're new here, welcome. This is the series where I bring on my favorite creators and interview them about their uh, their process, their, their brands, and just so much more. Please take this moment to like and subscribe, and if you're feeling extra generous, please absolutely smash the living shit out of that bell notification. Ding! That way you can stay up to date on all the riveting upcoming episodes of Bat Chats. Today is a pretty cool episode because we have one of the forefathers of internet animation on with us. Um, you can call him Digital Daddy if you'd like. That's what I call him. I call him Digital Daddy. Or you can call him Danny Casal uh, or Cool Man Coffee Dan. If you haven't checked out my Sim Series episode yet, it'll be linked in the description below. It's pretty cool and will give you so many more details about Danny. So go check it out. It's an honor to welcome to the stage Danny Casal. Come on out, buddy. Woo! Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to my playhouse. This, this is a this is a bedroom. If uh, I was three years old, except I'm 25, so there's no excuse. I have to say, like when I thought you were coming on, I, I thought your animated character was coming on. I, you know, my audience is is very small right now, and I can't risk kind of like that face being on my stage. So if you have any way to kind of like, yeah, well, I, I mean, I don't know if you've read my wikipedia page but i could actually i actually have this condition where i could turn into an actual animated version of myself whenever i want really no i didn't see that on the wikipedia page yeah well i that's probably because i don't have a wikipedia page but i can do it (laughs) and i can i can do it right now for you if you want i would love that i mean let's i don't quite believe you but let's let's all right give me one second akuda matara whoa oh boy (laughs) <laughs> yes, sir. I wow. didn't believe me, but I was telling the truth, so here I am. This is much more bearable than the... the what the hell? Dude, sorry. Dude, it's so dirty in here. What the I, hell? I know. I know. This is like... I, I like it like that. And your audience is cool with breathing in these fumes? They don't have a choice, man. They've been locked in here for the past three <laughs> months I've been making this show, bro. They're not going anywhere. Wow. Yeah, it smells like farts in here but hey man i mean as long as long as you got that roomba sponsorship coming through i mean this the dust in here is wild it's oh my god it's, it's yeah. piles well, the, the farts were me but, uh, <laughs> oh, okay yeah yeah well, so there might be some more of those sorry about that speaking of dirty how's la how's la been it's good man it's definitely better than it was about a year ago um i've been i've been living here full time about a year and a half and things got a little spooky for a minute um and i was even like living in an airbnb at its spookiest so i just kind of been winging it for a hot 18 months um but it's nice man i mean everything's opened back up i feel the vibes i'm getting a little bit of the true la summer taste with the homies that i love out here and i could see uh i could see why people dig this place i mean it is dirty but you know so is new york so at the end of the day still feels like home well, you, I was going to say, you grew up in the filth because you're like kind of one of the most New York dudes that I know, um, which actually is a question that I had for you. I kind of wanted to talk about how your New York persona, personality, because uh, when I'm because when I'm in L.A., it's almost like you're the most New York dude in the room always. 
Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. you're sort of like the Jeff Wittick, would you say? Like the, the New York tough guy, cool guy. Damn. I'll take it. I mean, that dude's... Uh, he's He's got people lining up around the block just to kiss his face. So I'll take it. So moving out to LA, how, how has that transition been? Obviously, you came during COVID, but do you kind of feel like this... Uh, this New Yorker in you is is sort of suffering at all, or is it just kind of like another worldly experience for you? Yeah, I mean, it's funny you say suffering because when I did move out here, which was originally only supposed to be for a few months, f- few months, and it turned out to be you know much longer than that. Uh, I was worried that I would lose whatever creative juices that I had being in New York my entire life. You know, uh, even when I went to college, it was like only an hour out of Long Island. I never studied abroad. I never really traveled for more than a week. Um, So this was like the biggest life switch up I could have done. And I was nervous that I was going to lose whatever mojo I had for all my 24 years of creating. And I didn't lose anything. If anything, I'm more creative out here because uh, A, I never really fared well with the cold. Um, I always would get, you know, depressive episodes and Although a lot of good creative stuff can come out of like moments of, uh, you know, depression, really, it was too much and it was not just it was pr- it was not productive in any sense of the word. So coming out here, I'm still who I am. You know, I'm just like a little more healthy because there's sunlight year round and there's more space for me to just feel comfortable. And at the end of the day, if you're creating that, you know, comfortable space for yourself to be the best version of yourself. That's where I think you you make the best art. So it's been good so far. I haven't lost that New York side of me because at the end of the day, I'll always consider New York being my home. Um, so I, I think it all worked out in the end. Yeah. No, I mean, that, that's I'm glad you're finding um, your creativity out there and just keeping it going and also getting that, you know, that sun, which is so important for people like us who are in New York in basements and uh little dungeons making our stuff it's been difficult <laughs> i mean you know you know my spot back in brooklyn that i was there for two years it didn't even have any windows so i, I was turning green at a certain point man I, there was no sunlight coming through those things so i uh i'm definitely I, I appreciate window culture and sun culture out here vitamin d is a beautiful thing um and also boba tea is lit nobody talks about that but boba tea is really good so that if nothing else take that away from this interview everybody boba tea Mm -hmm. boba tea yes sir so i really want to hear about kind of how you got to this point because your success really is just pretty amazing and um but but it's it's taken a while to get there because i recently looked at your youtube channel and yeah it says you made it in 2008 that yep we were like 12 years old, man. I mean, YouTube was such a different place back then. So yep. uh, I want to dive into kind of like how you got to this point. But I also want to hear sort of what YouTube was like when you started for for many, many young kids who are starting YouTube who really don't know kind of what the, that world was like because it was so different than it is now. So let's let's hear you talk about it a little bit. I mean, lo and behold, man, I, I actually had it two years before 2008. In 2006 is when I created my very first YouTube channel Sheesh. called Best Pal, where I would do domino toppling of all things as a fifth grader. I remember walking around in fifth grade in the hallways being like, none of these people know I have 300 subscribers. <laughs> and I'm like, holy shit. And I'd actually... It be, fun fact, it became such a big thing in the domino world back then, in early YouTube, that 
I created a domino word that is used professionally to this day in like the domino Olympics. No way. It's like an industry standard word called Sanimod. Um, Wait, what? And I literally, literally created this in fifth grade in the YouTube comments section because people created this method of how to stack dominoes and uh people were wondering what to call it and i just said sani mod because it's domino spelled backwards true story dominowiki.com or something you could see the credit to best pal coming up with the name that's me in fifth grade holy shit YouTube. no way yeah yeah it's wild fact and it's completely true and none of it makes sense but the internet's not supposed to make sense you right. know so Hallelujah. i uh it's always been a part of my life it's probably youtube had been a part of my life you know for more than half of it at this point and i You're like 43 am in a unique right position You're like 43 now yeah i'm i'm 43 yeah, and a half so. actually yeah. <laughs> but it's like weird because you know I'm, I'm still a young guy i'm 25 and it's like yo i've been doing youtube for a decade over a decade and like it's not supposed to like that math's not supposed to check out but it entirely does and you know early youtube was such a different place you know I, I was on youtube when there was like you could reply to videos you could do video responses and you could record a video of yourself and it'd be below the video that you're watching and it's like here are video responses there's there's 30 video responses it would be like video comments no fucking duh youtube took that away it's a terrible idea it sounds like duets it's kind of like duets but it's like with like 240p webcams and, and just people spewing their super racist thoughts and from their mother's basement <laughs> um so youtube was like yeah let's do away with that but um you know it's it's been my entire life man and and there's no reality where i don't see myself you know uploading content to the internet and uh you know the people that are just discovering like content creation in the past 12 months because of tiktok they'll never know 2010 youtube they'll never know 2012 youtube like majority of my friends that i still have to this day are youtube friends that i made from comment section in 2008 um you know so it's a very beautiful thing um and uh i i think there's a different version for each new generation that experiences the internet but the, the version that I came up on is is definitely one of a kind. It's a very unique experience. Well, it's, it's really interesting because I kind of felt like just from doing the research on you and having known you for all these years that you were kind of like the first person that I saw being like an early collaborator with other YouTubers because you were making videos with people. Um, I recently saw a very interesting video of you in Central Park with um some friends and it was hilarious <laughs> is it with funny z zach Katz? yeah it was with zach Katz, and uh yeah it, it just like when i watched that it brought me back in time like the style the look of it everything it was just so early youtube like like shane dawson fred type era like just even the quality looked like it and it was just like uh, yeah as you said like i feel like people will never understand kind of how it got here you know how we got to this point it's like it was it did yeah. not, YouTube was not cool back in the day. Like, would you agree? I got a, I got a comment on a video that I uploaded when I was 14 in 2010. It was when the first iPhone 4 came out and I was making a, a skit about how I would make love to it or something. <laughs> and, and I didn't even know what like making love really meant. Um, and, but it was funny and it was, it's really good video. My early videos are really 
good. Like I look back on them with awe. Seriously. And uh, you know, when I went to college, we went to the same college, you and I. And I remember in freshman or year one uh, Spanish class, this girl was like looking at me the entire time, and I was like, Ah, still got it. And she comes at she comes <laughs> up to me after class, and she's like, Are you Danny Studio? I'm like, Oh. Holy she's shit, like, you yeah. just had she's sex like, with your iPhone on camera <laughs> five years ago. Dude, she's like, you were literally my childhood. This is so wild. And I was like, and that happened actually multiple times in Pace. That was one of the more memorable memorable times, Pace University. But uh, in the hallways, people would like be like, oh my God. It was like pretty un- insane that like how long it carried over. But yeah. anyway, I got a comment about a month ago on a video that I posted in 2010. And the comment is wow when this video came out i was one month old no dude no and i'm like holy oh dude you could have i could have gone my whole life without knowing that oh god little bit of information so it's it's getting super meta i'm not gonna lie the catalog of content is getting real real weird uh just in terms of how young people are that are using the internet right now for real and it's funny because when you see your older videos you sort of see that maybe subconsciously you had this knack for animation because some of your videos do feature some uh, very like cool man coffee dan type little animations and characters that are sort of drawn into into the videos and um, you know sometimes you're like fighting them or something like there's 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 a ton of videos you can watch on your channel that sort of have that flair to it um, and it's really interesting to see how you kind of use that and then all these other things that you were practicing like writing for comedy skits and all these things and you've built up this really iconic animation brand and now you have 2.6 million youtube followers you have 249 million youtube views i mean that to me and oh that doesn't even i'm not even talking about your instagram followers 2.4 million tiktok 2.6 million like those numbers are just insane to me and i think thinking about as myself in 2008 like those numbers we would never even fathom those numbers. Even the big YouTubers didn't have those numbers back then. So I don't know, man. Like, how, like, does that overwhelm you, those numbers at all? Yeah, it's it's tough to really understand those numbers. You know, it's anytime I do like a live event or something where you get to meet the actual people that watch your stuff, that's when you're reminded. It's You're reminded that it's like much bigger than just like a few pixels that say some numbers like these are real people and you forget about that super easily sometimes but it is like that's your brain trying to like make sense of it it's like oh that's just like a number it's but it's like a it's actual humans that at one point or another watched one of your pieces of content you know decided they like it enough to follow um we won't talk about the people that unfollow (laughs) for now i mean they 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 don't matter in this conversation yeah, at all. But <laughs> they, uh, um, but yeah, no, it's it's pretty wild. I mean, of course, when you start this type of stuff, you you can't go into it with the idea like, uh, or at least I don't like. Oh, I'm gonna have a million subscribers a year from now. Like, I don't. If you plan for that, you're not doing it for the right reasons, and you're kind of setting yourself up for failure. Um, you know, if you do reach that goal, awesome. But you should never be doing it for that. You should be doing it because you're having a good time making content and uh, you feel like you're expressing yourself creatively. So, um, but some of my video, like my most viewed video is like a stupid video I made in a day in a it, it, Italy hotel room that I was, tra- I was traveling Italy. I was, I was like, I don't know why I was there. I was super bored. I made this video about two cups talking to each other. That's my most viewed video. 
It has 24 million views. There's like a Casey Neistat video from eight years ago that only has like 18 million views, and it's it's regarded as like a ph internet phenomenon. I'm like this stupid video of two inanimate objects just baffling, you know, bumbling con conversation to each other has 24 million. It doesn't make any sense, but you know that's the point. You're not supposed. It's not supposed to make sense. The internet is never gonna make sense. Um, and you just got to put out content and see what the hell happens because that's it, that's pretty much what I did. Well, yeah, I think you know the the 12 year old in me that grew up making stupid videos and you know I took a big break from YouTube and I came back just a couple months ago for real. Like I'm really into it now, uh, but I was gone for a long time and I'm thinking like it, it really shows like you stu you stayed in your lane, you found your niche and you just went for it and like. You know, people may think this happened overnight. It didn't. As I said, since 2006, 2008, you've been nonstop making videos. And eventually in 2017, I believe it was, I think, uh, is when you yeah. is when you really got that big, uh, your big break, so to say. Yeah, right? totally. One quiet summer night in a Brooklyn five-bedroom apartment with five other roommates. No, no points for cats. I don't like cats. I uh, had a dumb three in the morning idea it's always dumb ideas with me i don't know why um and i dug my microphone that i haven't used for years out of this old shoe box under my bed i don't even think i had a bed actually i, I had a mattress on the floor <laughs> a twin mattress on the floor and and uh the basement got flooded with like shit water <laughs> yeah one day the basement <laughs> flooded it, it was uh, it was actually the day my my video blew up actually is when the basement oh really so it was a horrible time in in all of our lives, and and to add to all the shit that was going on in our lives, it was literally a horrible rainstorm. And I'm not even home at this point. I'm on Long Island visiting my parents with horrible Wi-Fi. That I find out my video that I had the dumb three in the morning idea of to make a video called Snakes Have Legs is blowing up on meme pages. My first video to blow up. I'm home with terrible Wi-Fi. I just got news that our apartment's flooding in New York City. It's torrential God. downpour. And I'm like, what the hell is happening right now? I booked it to my local train station to get on public optimum Wi-Fi so I could see what was happening. And uh, just picture this movie scene. I was going to say, it seems like a movie. <laughs> <laughs> just monsoon downpour. It's like 6 p.m. It's getting dark, and there's Danny in like a single bulb loom illuminating down on like a public transportation bench, just on my phone, being like, "What the fuck is happening?" That was my day. Uh, that was my first day of going viral. As I said, like, literally the YouTube dream. That sounds like the movie about the YouTube dream. It was really interesting to watch from the perspective of being your friend and someone who makes videos with you, because we were able to like, uh, your friends are able to kind of watch this happen and like watch you still stay like a really cool humble dude as like you were everywhere on the internet and you were like became the biggest thing i would see all the time and like seeing your numbers just like every day just go up like crazy it was uh it was it was amazing and that was before things like tiktok did that so like the instagram viralness the youtube viralness was something that was really like hard to achieve back then i mean t like when we think about tiktok this happens we talked about this on your podcast too actually like kind of the rise of TikTok and how uh, anyone can get famous overnight from that. But like, it really shows you how a lot of people can't sustain their brands when this happens because they don't have that, those years of hard work like you do to kind of like build everything up and sort of, um, you know, like you already had sort of like 
you already you already had your sort of like uh, comedic timing and all these little things that you've been working on for years. And um, it's just, I don't know, it was, it was great to see. You know, TikTok is as great as it is in, in lowering the, the barrier to entry and uh, making everybody a content creator. Because for the first time in internet history, you don't even know how to, uh, you don't have to know how to work an editing program on a computer. You don't even need a computer. Sure. And for the first time, you don't need a camera. You know, when I was growing up, you needed a cam- you need both of those things in order to be a YouTuber. And, you know, slowly, like with the culture shifting through like Vine and Instagram, TikTok is like the apex of this because it's like, you know, like a 15 year old boy or girl could make a video and they could get a million followers in like a week, which never really happened before. Um, But yes, the problem with that is the being able to sustain that and being able to like the 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 whole concept of becoming an influencer is skewed now because uh just because you have a million followers on on tiktok uh you know it psychs people out they're like why do i have a million followers but my latest tiktok only got two thousand views it's creating burnout faster than ever and it's really i think it's doing a little more harm than people initially would expect because it's just it's throwing these kids for a loop. They can't wrap their minds around it. Um, but I think it's overall good because it seems like there's a lot of fun content being made on TikTok right now. So I shouldn't, I shouldn't focus too too much on the uh, uh, the adverse effects here. Yeah, well, it, it's it's easy to see how oversaturated the viral the level of virality is, and. Um, it's weird because like when when we were younger and we'd have these like personalities that would go viral it would be like the d's nuts guy like that everyone or yeah. damn daniel you know like all these people that were like these long lasting quotes that you will always remember from vine or youtube or anything like that like now these things are kind of just like one and done it's it's really uh it's 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 quite strange it's it, well yeah i mean memes are like it's literally over in like a week week and a half if that like the whole adult swim uh meme where everybody was making their own adult swim bumpers you know by the time i realized like maybe i should make a video about this it was too late like you literally have maybe a 48 hour window to hop on a trend and uh that's faster than anything ever before i feel like there's so many people making bomb content like super funny shit that gets memefied that there's just 10 new memes every hour and it's pushing the the ones from the last hour out even quicker so it's you know to me at least i feel like that's why you have to double down on original content even more because original content doesn't go out of style um you know i still like i said that i'm a cup video that i made three years ago gets 100 to 500,000 views every month just because YouTube keeps putting in the algorithm because it sees that people f- with it. It's like, do do you. Like, you know, if you hop on the trends, it makes your work finite. It gives it an expiration date. If you just do you, um, it makes your work evergreen, you know? It's really interesting to see how kind of like even VidCon has changed because VidCon is now sort of run by TikTok from what I've been hearing. And from your experience you had a different experience at one of the very earliest VidCons and like the way you've described it to me in the past is kind of like 
these awkward YouTubers hanging out in a room who have never talked to other kids really and are like super creative, but just not very social. And now it's just totally a different world. Wouldn't, wouldn't you agree? Totally different thing right now, man. <laughs> I mean, I was I was at the first three VidCons and I have wild stories from all of them. I mean, the first one happened totally last minute. And I was actually just talking to my mom about this. I wasn't supposed to go to the first one. Thank God I did. I'm in eighth grade or ninth grade, maybe summer going into ninth grade. I'm 14 years old and I'm like, damn, I really want to go to VidCon. But by the time I got the okay from my parents to let me go to this weird internet event in California, 3000 miles away, <laughs> the tickets were already sold out. And this is when it was much smaller. Maybe they had like, I don't know, 500 tickets for everybody to just hang out in this hotel. Um, I was like, damn, I can't go. All of a sudden, John Bastow, the Long Island fitness mogul, <laughs> tweets that he got tickets thanks to Hank Green. And Hank Green is the uh, is the man who founded VidCon <gasps> with his brother, John Green, the the uh, the author. <laughs> so I I messaged John Bastow and I say, hey, do you think you could get me to get tickets? And he's like, sure, Danny. Let me see. Let me get a hold of Hank Green, and sure enough, Hank Green emails me and says, "Hey, fourteen-year-old boy, the website's open just for you. Let me know when you got your tickets." I buy my tickets. I email him back saying, "I got them, thanks," and he closes the website again. That's how I went to the first VidCon. Same. John Basedow, Hank Green, doing me a favor, <laughs> and that's how everything started. Fast forward to three years later, I'm at VidCon 2012. Everybody's smoking weed in a hotel room with Andy Milanakis. <laughs> That's the timeline. Dude, what a time and to be I alive. Didn't go back. <laughs> I didn't go back until 2018. There was a five-year little break after that, that that series of events. I didn't. I wasn't smoking, by the way. I don't smoke. Just seeing how much you've grown as a creator. I mean, it's 2021, and now you're not just this little YouTube guy who's at VidCon. I mean, you're a very uh, multifaceted thing. I've never used that word. This is my first time using it. So if I could yeah, get around. Sound, it sounds right. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, yeah, nice, <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, no, you kind of have your hand, you know, your hand in every pot. And it's, it's really interesting um, to watch you as a friend and a collaborator sort of build your brand up because now you have so many different things. I mean, the, the craziest one to me is because obviously like when you make these videos, merch seems like the next step. It seems like you'd, uh, you know, all these different things that you've been doing, like merch collabs, getting to like work with people that you really admire. Like those all seem very natural, but dude, you just wrote a fucking book. What the f man? Yeah. Dude, congrats. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you, dude. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty unreal. Uh, you know, I, I've been working on that for the better part of about, you know, a year, year and a half. Um, uh, you know, I started working on it in March of 2020, so uh, it it didn't feel real until I got the, uh, the the actual book cover, which is somewhere around here. But uh, maybe you can show a picture of it on the screen. Yep, there uh, it is. But I, uh, yeah, it's like, woo! <laughs> it's like real now. It's like, yeah, this is a thing that I could hold in my hand. Yeah, this this is me. This is this is it right here and uh it looks it looks super good and i'm like stoked that i can hold it in my hand now and um you know just like like confirm that this is a real thing that's going to be hitting bookshelves in october and it's available to pre-order now and it's 
I've never been more proud of anything in my life. It's it's like uh, I, I've never worked on anything harder. And I definitely am trying to change the world with this book because I went deep in this book with my characters. My characters talk about some some intense philosophical shit and also funny shit like the right way to make a bowl of cereal. A little bit of everything. Yeah, man. I mean, the early cut you sent me was pretty amazing. So I'm really excited. Um, I've pre-ordered it myself and the link's going to be in the bio below. So... Uh, it's going to be, you know, in Barnes and Noble. It's going to be in Target, Walmart. Um, uh, it's on Amazon right now for you to pre-order. Like, you know, it's very, uh, it could, it's never been easier to get a piece of, um, you know, merchandise, like a piece of the Cool Man universe. So that's why I'm also stoked because it's just never been more accessible to all my fans and all my viewers around the world. That's actually crazy uh, to think about. You're the, I, know, I didn't think about that, actually, the fact that, like, even when you buy your merch, you're buying it from your website or you're buying it from the merch company, like these different things, but you're not, you're not technically right now, you're not seeing it in stores. So the fact that you could go to like these stores, like a Barnes and Noble, and you know, that could also obviously, you know, catch the eye of some kid who's like, whoa, that looks really sick on the shelf. Uh, I just think that opens up a whole new world for you. I'm really, really excited. And it's just crazy to see how you've come such a long way from when you and I were in a basement packaging up merch slapping shipping labels on it that you you wrote on your skateboard to like a you know ups store to print out labels yeah or like hopping yeah. in an uber that we should probably not afford because they're like expensive in new york and delivering it to a fan yeah. who is unsuspecting and like i don't know it's just it's really cool how you've been able to kind of maintain your product and also stay true to your brand while having all these uh you know all these different areas with it like like the book and the merch and all that stuff and a company behind you too yeah dude it, i i forgot we took an uber all the way to like bumblefuck wherever to hand deliver that poster that was really funny um it's something i would not spend money to do on an uber even now <laughs> um because that was so far but yeah man it's it's wild how how much it's all grown and you know even as i expand my team to to help tackle more larger projects um and be able to do more with with these characters and this art like i'm still having a lot of fun so that's really all that matters because if you burn out you burn out there's nothing more you could do like you could take a break you could try to come back but uh, a lot of a lot of really creative motherfuckers burn out and it's unfortunate because it's tough to come back from that. You know, you just got to keep things fun, as fun as possible for as long as possible. So in the Sim series episode, I kind of talk about how you have, uh, you know, these different characters that would sort of convey this, these different types of emotion and stuff like that. How do you come up with these, these characters? Because, I mean, that's a very loaded question, but I've seen you even just, you know, at, at a party on a wall with permission, of course, uh, drawing, you know, just being in the zone and drawing something very interesting on the wall, some strange character that is maybe this character at the party. Like, I don't, in that way, it's so interesting how your brain works because I cannot draw characters to save my life. I can think of them and I can think of their personalities perhaps, but I cannot, like, like where are you pulling this out of? Because all of your characters are all in your look. They're all in your style, but they're all pretty different from one another and i don't know how you still are creating these characters after you know four years of non-stop 
world building. So do you have any uh, any like inspirations that you've that of people you admire or characters you admire that kind of like have made way for these characters that you create? Um, I uh, I always drew. I always doodled growing up. Like, you know, I, I think back to like as early as I can remember, like kindergarten, you know, I drew this dragon that I was super proud of and you know the teacher put it on her desk in the front of the classroom and I had to have been drawing even before that but like you know all throughout elementary school middle school high school just like pages and pages and pages of doodles and it was really the only way I was able to stay awake in class um and you know some teachers appreciated it other teachers not so much but (laughs) they uh it was always just you know freehand stuff like a lot of monsters in my doodles um which you could see in like the danny studio video skits like it's a lot of like um uh, dragon monsters robots like kind of menacing cute stuff um it wasn't until the past few years when i started experimenting more with like the blobby cuter type of stuff um that's like more cute and cuddly um but you know, I'm constantly just like thinking of like a new combination of shapes and lines and colors and facial expressions and animals, uh, inanimate objects that just pair together so well with a certain look and feel. And I'm just like, oh, wow, like here's a new character. Like, I really like this design. Like, um, it just kind of comes very naturally to me. And this is even before, you know, I, I got outside inspiration from from cartoons like Adventure Time or Regular Show, which a lot of people see similarities in my work too, because those were shows I grew up on in my teens. But, you know, it really is just, you know, me seeing visual, you know, uh, references in my in my head or something I need to get down on paper and just letting my hand do the rest of the work. I never really put too much thought into it. It's, it's very much just, you know, uh, imagination and then freehand type of doodling. Yeah, I assume it's pretty therapeutical for you, right? It is a lot. It is a ton, actually. Yeah, I mean, um, in many ways, I wish I was still in school so I could doodle more. I mean, I only really draw digitally for the videos now, but uh, doodling was a vibe back in the day. That's when you really feel that insane create like creative push. Uh, for me, anyway, like I remember being in college and just being like, I need to get the out of here dude like there's so many different things i feel like are weighing you down especially when you're in high school like uh you know especially if you're a kid who is artistic and you're you don't really just quite fit in i mean i grew up across the pond from you and it was very similar to be like the the video kid was kind of the weird thing to do um yeah so like with that being said do you kind of have any advice for those kids who are like those dreamers those kids that are just a bit different than everybody else they don't fit the status quo like what's your message for these uh these creators whatever feels right for you to do act on that you know creativity is is that type of thing that you need to get out or else you pretty much just want to like you know sleep until 2 p.m every day like what's that what's that type what's that creative thing that you want to do so bad that's going to make you get out of bed and do and that was always the thing with me. Like, I, I didn't go out on weekends until I was in, like, 11th grade. All my weekends were full of, I would get home from school Friday, shoot into Friday night, edit all of Saturday, post Saturday night, and respond to comments all of Sunday. And that was my weekend for 
all of middle school, a little half of high school. And that's what I love doing. I wouldn't have it any other way. So what's that thing for you? You know, is it, is it making videos? Is it making TikToks? Is it drawing, animating, painting, singing, rapping? Like you, there's going to be people that hate on you and judge you and, you know, give you their unwanted two cents, but there's going to be more people that matter that throw you love and and a lot of which might not even be people in your immediate life there are going to be future friends that you surround yourself with uh that may just live in the comments or in your dms for now like the support is out there and the and the support will find you but you gotta put yourself in a position for it to find you and and you're not going to be in that position unless you're making shit that you that you with that you like doing so um, that's what all this ever was for me is just, you know, whether it was making skits or me doodling or, um, making dumb songs and animating from it. Like I always put myself in a position for like-minded people to find me or people that appreciate my work to find me and my work. So that's my advice to anybody who, you know, maybe is on the fence. Like, Hey, do I want to do this? Like, yeah, yeah, do it. Just just and keep doing it until one of the things catches some traction it could take one video or it could take a hundred videos but just you know make sure you're doing it and having fun while you're doing it danny's living breathing proof on how you can you can accomplish these things and it's like this is doable i think that that's the biggest thing in so many people's brains and it was a big thing in my brain which is why i didn't continue youtube over those years was like i can never you know i can never match up to these these big guys that i look up to and even though i still feel that way now in a lot of ways like i still feel hopeful for a future in which i can sustain myself and be in your shoes so in that way you've been very inspiring to me and that's why i think a lot of your fans feel such a connection with you not only just for like your cartoons but also you as a creator and you as a person yeah i mean dude i you're you're a good example of someone who's doing their thing because they really find it exciting and the journey is just beginning for you bro like matt the bat is living proof of just go for the idea and put the i have something written on my wall that i'm actually looking at right now which i wrote in permanent permanent marker on my wall and it says Critical thinking plus infinite hours. I actually heard this from a Cody Co. interview like two weeks ago. But I really like that because that's really all anything takes to become successful at is critical thinking and infinite hours. You just making it your obsession to focus on something and uh, making it your life, uh, your life's work. You know, because if it's not your life's work, then what the f*** are you doing? Totally. So, yeah, I think if your whole life is deviant art furry <laughs> portraits wow Good for deviant you, man. art man i haven't heard of that in so <laughs> long <laughs> go for it if if you're doing weird shit with the characters from zootopia hell yeah dude do it all the time and think critically <laughs> about it and have fun with it danny thank you so much for coming on like seriously this feels like such a full circle moment i mean you taught me pretty much everything I know about this industry and have really always pushed me to kind of go for it and make content. So thank you so much, man. This has just been really awesome. Thank you, brother. Love you. And I appreciate you having me on. The show's stupid cool. And uh, yeah, dude, everybody make sure you subscribe to this freaking show, you idiot. Yes, yes. Thank you so much for watching this episode of Bat Chats. As Danny said, if you're new here, please, please, please take this moment to like and subscribe. Uh, maybe throw a comment there. Which which is your your favorite character that Danny makes? Um, 
Which, where did you first hear of him? Uh, is this your first time hearing of him? Let me know what you think uh, in the comments. Uh, make sure to hit that little bell notification ding, so you can stay up to date on all my episodes. We have some incredible guests and features coming up, so you're really not going to want to miss it. This was Danny Casal, and I'm Matt the Bat from Matt the Bat's Bash and Shit Show, so make sure to tune in next week, or else. Or else. See, you knew. You knew the ending. I didn't have to tell you like everybody else. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Appreciate it. Thanks, everybody.